0: Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday we went island-hopping mad as 42 lucky kids got a day out at a lovely coastal retreat and some made it back. And today we're swapping Utopia for Dystopia, as the future is bleak unless you live in the capital. From 2012, we're watching The Hunger Games. The time has come to select one courageous young man and woman for the honour of representing District 12 in the 74th Annual Hunger Games.
2: Primrose
0: Everdeen. Prim!
1: (laughs) I volunteer! I volunteer as tribute.
0: We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. The Hello, Clashpotters. Face the probability of your imminent death and know that there's absolutely nothing I can do to help you. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both? Good? Yeah, yeah great. Good? Yeah, Excellent. Good stuff. Nice, 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 nice. Right, very quickly. Before we get into this, if you haven't subscribed to us... Please do subscribe to us. We would love it. And also, if you can leave us a rating, that would be awesome. And also, a review would be even better. And if you do leave us a review, it could be read out on the show by Chris Tilley, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. I'm not doing a review this week. Oh, I'm doing an on. email because I thought this one deserved to get
1: read out. It's from Charlie who says in the last two months I've had to isolate on three separate occasions so I've basically spent a whole month home alone. For company while working I search for podcasts and stumbled upon yours uh, usually even if I like a podcast I'd listen to a couple and move on but with yours I've listened to every single show in the past two months it really feels like I just have a few mates constantly being lovingly passive aggressive to one another <laughs> in the room with me. You have a great dynamic that really feels missing in a lot of other shows and most importantly none of you are afraid to tell the others when you're being a twat (laughs) (laughs) can't wait to listen to all the past and future shows and see you live sometime so yeah sorry you've been through a rough time Charlie Yeah, glad you come out of it thanks for the email do go give us a review pop a review up maybe a star
0: rating as well Jesus Christ <laughs> he's always working nothing's
2: good enough is it
0: <laughs> and, you know, I do ask for a review and this is an email so I mean thanks Charlie but you did wrong try yes. again i going to tell you off cheers Charlie much appreciated so on Monday we had a royally good battle mm-hmm. which means today Vicky is discovering how being able to decorate a cake can lead to disguising yourself <laughs> <laughs> as rock <laughs> V, take Uh, us on a journey. Okay.
2: Do you like Love Island and hate your mum? Why not play the Hunger Games, just like Katniss Everdeen, the 16-year-old tribute forced to compete in a televised fight to the death. Katniss is from District 12, so she doesn't stand a chance, except she does because Lenny Kravitz sets her on fire and she's brilliant (laughs) at hiding in trees. (laughs) Katniss's compassion for her sister leads her to bond with little Rue, even adorning her young corpse with white flowers as a warning to all other 11-year-olds to stop using her as a surrogate mother and asking her to sing songs all the fucking time. (laughs) Seriously, can't she just be 16 and get off with boys? Oh, wait, she does manage that. Pretending to be hot for fellow District 12 competitor Peter so they can win, which they do. And that set me to thinking... What if the whole thing is a hugely successful and entertaining metaphor for losing your virginity? You're in competition with other fitter teenagers. You eventually do it because it's what you think people expect with someone who's meh, but fine. And after it's done, you just want to go home and forget about it. Oh,
1: that's really sad. That's really sad, you. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> no, not, not
0: my experience. It's fine. I hear you.
2: Thank you. I
0: hear you. Yeah.
2: What, oh, so you're saying yours was magical and amazing? <laughs> yeah, my
0: first girlfriend.
2: Oh, Jesus.
0: Wow. Uh, I was going to tell a story but I'm not going to tell <laughs> for the best yeah. uh, it's the first time I think I've self-edited in a while um, <laughs> good 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 <laughs> right
2: so yeah um, I have never read the books and but I remember all the fuss about this book and I was really jealous of all the young adult stuff that the kids at the time had and because we grew up on like, well, like Judy like Judy did you say
0: you, loved the, you read these books no I know I didn't oh, read them okay. but I
2: remember the fuss I remember thinking good for you kids that you've got stuff like this because it just sounds fantastic and then I saw this film once but I haven't seen any of the others Okay. So I just wanted to see what the fuss was about film-wise because it was such a huge drama about the casting and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm mean, a fan of the books,
0: Chris? Yeah, read oh, the yeah. books.
1: Okay. Read the books. Um, relieved to have a YA franchise that I was interested in, particularly as I worked at a company that has to cover that sort of thing at the time. Mm. And I was a bit exhausted by covering Twilight. And so, yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed
0: the film and the book. And yeah, I was into this. I'm with Vicky. So I was aware of it. Obviously, you could not be aware of it. And so I was like, okay, fine. This is a big thing. But that big thing only became a thing for me when I was watching the film because I never read any of the books. And I remember being a uh, being a bit meh about the film Um And I will say I enjoyed it a lot more this time. And I think the competition between these two films this week is a lot closer for me than I anticipated walking in, like you said on Monday, Chris. I thought Battle Royale was nailed on, but I'm I'm still a little bit unsure. The one thing I will say is um, the films I remember go downhill very quickly after Mm. this one. To the point agree. where that, Hard agree that final <laughs> one was a, a struggle mm. to get through. And okay. you sort of think this has set up so many interesting ideas about the capital, about the class system, about this revolution that's coming. And then the, the following books, I don't know, sorry, the following books, because I haven't read them. The following films are just like, meh. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about starting with the book shall we
2: yeah let's talk about it yeah let's do i think that's what we do so as we have said it is based on a 2008 book by Suzanne Collins, inspired by Battle, Battle Royale, Royale. <laughs> and reality TV. Okay, um, well, so- no, she
1: said she was flipping between the news and reality TV. What she doesn't say is she was flipping between the news, reality TV, and Battle Royale <laughs>
0: sure. on a different channel. That's <laughs> yeah. definitely what happened. And her news was Entertainment Tonight covering Battle, Battle Royale, Royale. <laughs> yeah,
2: and that all makes it, it all falls into place now. So, producer Nina Jacobson, I love this fact. I love this for her. She bought the rights to the novels in two thousand and nine. So, The Hunger Games. <laughs> existed and then the, um, the follow-up properties, but it was fairly new when she bought it. So she takes it to Lionsgate and it had sold, the, the first book had sold about 150,000 copies and they were still into it because that sort of numbers for a YA property at the time is great. Mm. By the time the film came out it had sold seventeen point five million
0: copies, wow. which is just amazing. Imagine being Nina
2: Jacobson. Yeah, imagine
0: being Suzanne Collins. Could she have got a hell of a lot more for it if she'd waited? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I know I, I, because I read the same thing, and I was like, I wonder I, because there's no, it doesn't mention the price. So I wonder if like there was some deal like yeah. whereby if it does sell this many in the future, we'll revisit that fee, you'll get X amount of points on the movie. I would have thought so because yeah. if she's gone, oh, bloody fifty grand would be lovely right now. I'll yeah. take that, and then. She's sitting on a phenomenon that she's already sold the rights
2: to. Yeah, I mean, she wrote the script, so you wonder maybe the deal was a bit beefed up there. And then there's a rewrite by Billy Ray, um, and then they go out
1: to directors. It looks like a no-brainer, though, that decision to buy it at the time, but it really wasn't. When you think the precursor that we talked about on Monday couldn't get released in America because this country where school shootings happen over and over again, Mm. the thinking is we cannot release a film where kids kill other kids. Yeah, And so... That was a huge chance she
0: took buying this for, for whatever she bought it for in the first well, place. Well, it was only three quid, so fine. And also there's, there were a lot of YA properties floating around at that point And, you know, some just disappeared. I remember there was one that sort of on paper you were like, this, this seems like a great idea called the Mortal... Engines? No, not more instruments. Engines. Instruments, yeah. His Mortal Instruments or the Mortal Instruments, mm. uh, which um, I remember Jamie Campbell Bowers and, and uh, I think Robert Sheehan as well. Anyway, I remember doing a uh, press conference for it and it had all these ingredients that you were like, sure, fine thing. Literally no one went to see it.
2: Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because his Dark Materials was a big fuss. Because obviously those books are incredible. Yeah. Uh, but the film just didn't do yeah, exactly. the business. That's a really good example. Um, so directors in the mix, David Slade, Sam Mendes and Gary Ross, also Susanna White, Rupert Sanders and Andrew Addison and Francis Lawrence, who eventually did the follow ups. But it goes to Gary Ross. And this is a fun thing. It's a, it's a very big deal for people. So I read somewhere that there was an eighth grade teacher. I don't know how old eighth grade is. Um is it yeah. so this teacher got her students 134 students to write Gary Ross a letter telling him not how to not fuck it up because the book meant so much to them but one of the letters was please will you cast Megan Fox and he's like i wonder why and the teacher's like yeah he's you know well he's, i see now he's 12 and he likes her so can you put Megan she Fox in she could have played it, Fox face Yes, that's true. Um, But that then brings us to casting. So this is the thing I remember the most because I was a big fan. I'm still a big fan of Jennifer Lawrence, but I'd seen Winter's Bone and I remember the huge fuss around her in that and then her getting this role because everybody went up for it. So there was Abigail Breslin, Emma Roberts, Sarah Sharon and Hayley Steinfeld, Emily Browning, lots and lots and lots of names. But of course it goes to Jennifer Lawrence. So you can see now why it went to Jennifer Lawrence because she's incredible
0: And apparently she, I mean, she knocked it out of the park at the audition. I think Susan Collins said she was, and you've got a lot of great names on that list, but she says she was the only one who captured um, Katniss uh, from the page.
2: Yeah. So Gary Ross said it was the easiest casting decision I ever made in my life. A little, like an interesting thing, which I didn't realise because I haven't read the books, but apparently in the books Katniss is described as olive skin, dark haired and possibly um, jewel heritage. So it's interesting. I think if that's on the page in the books, which I don't want to say because I haven't read it, mm. I do not think now you would cast a blonde white girl. I just don't think you would. If it was explicit that she wasn't that, I just don't think you would. At the time, Gary Ross is, a, I mean, it's off its time, but like just laughed that off and was like, she's got dark hair. I'll die her hair dark kind of thing. And it's like, that's mm. that box ticked. But like I say, I haven't read the book, so I don't know how overt that mention is. Mm-mm. But, the, you know, just an interesting thing that may have changed with the passage of time. Um, on a budget of $78 million, it made $750 million. So that's a big smash. Mm. Um, and but a big yeah.
1: departure for the studio because it was the Saw studio. Yeah. You know, Lionsgate were low budget horror. And so... Again this was a huge swing for the fences they were taking obviously by the time it got to cinemas the book was huge but they spent 7 million on movies
0: not 70 million mm, yeah um so it really turned them into a big player yeah i think they <laughs> I think they were had to go around a lot of people begging for money though because how else are you going to fund it
2: yeah. And but Gary Ross famously very well known didn't do the sequels, saying there's, you know, no no issue with the studio, it was the happiest experience of his professional life, but they wanted to churn it out in a time frame that didn't suit and he didn't think he'd be able to do a good job, and so he stepped away from it.
1: There's a two hour documentary uh, on the DVD, which is amazing. It's like a film school and he's so much a part of every aspect of it. And it's really it's it's seeing how immersed he was in the whole film and how much this was his vision. He said it was just brilliant being off in a forest in the middle of nowhere that he didn't have the studio breathing down his neck Mm. and they sort of could do what they want. He said he's never had that control before or since.
0: And it's the biggest film he's made. I think we might have actually spoken about this on a really recent episode, but it's something smart directors actually do. I think I was telling you about Ridley Scott when he was going to do I Am Legend and the studio was like, yeah, shoot it on the lot. Shoot it on the Warner Brothers lot. And he made it his business to find a location, even though the film didn't happen, as far away from the studio as possible. So they couldn't just come down from their office and go, hey, what are you doing? (laughs) And he he changed so many things from the book. And I think everything he changed really
1: works in this film. I'm so I'm sure we'll get to that yeah. stuff. But with Suzanne Collins' blessing, but I think every addition he made makes made it more cinematic. So I've I've thought he was brilliant. I think he did a really, really good job. I'm I'm sad he didn't do the sequels because I think they might have been better.
2: Yeah.
0: I agree. I, but I have I do have to say, I, I, and I enjoyed it more this time, but I think because to me, it's like well, you've got this game, this action-packed game where people are hunting each other, people are killing each other. I expected, you know what a uh, glutton I am for like action that makes me tingle and gives me goosebumps, and I never got that. It's mm. sort of that I think. Whereas I was expecting sort of big scale and wide shots. It is very sort of guerrilla mm. filmmaking, yeah. very shaky, very close up, and I never got a sort of sense of the scale of the game. Yeah, I
2: agree with you, it, which it, is mad when you think about the scale of the setup to the game. Yeah, how huge everything yeah. seems.
1: He said that's the opposite of what he wanted to achieve he said if if his action was slick hollywood action then it would feel staged in a way that is not the story he wanted to tell he wanted to
0: tell up close and personal that violence and mm. so yeah it's, it's... i've no oh, i've no doubt he did it intentionally but i remember watching it the first time and it didn't affect me so much this time probably because i was prepared for it but i do i did think where's my moment where's the hero shot yeah that's not
2: okay um that's all i've got unless there's anything else no. no, let's talk about the film. So we open on a title card of which for once I approve because there's a lot of information to squash in that even though, as Chris mentioned on the other episode, it's cancelled out later by an instructional video, but I am a big fan of an instructional video. Oh, so do, it's fine. It. Yeah. So, uh, Best
0: instructional video? Uh, Jurassic Park. Yes, exactly, <laughs> Mr. DNA! <laughs> Good work
2: look how happy that is (laughs) so just in case no one knows quote in penance for the uprising each district shall offer up uh, a male and female victor uh, sorry a male and female between the ages of 12 so they're tributes and they'll fight to the death and there's only one victor sorry so this is the 74th Hunger Games that we're about to get involved in
0: if you missed any of that uh, have a listen to Monday's episode Battle Royale (laughs)
2: so in district 12 little primrose she's scared that her name's going to be pulled out of the hat and it is kind of like literally a hat um, but she's got a badass sister and that is going to come in super handy mm-hmm. um, so the sister is Katniss our hero kills squirrels which reminded me of Wintersborn uh, she's the total boss of the house she's hard she's old beyond her years she's world weary but she's got a cute little thing with her friend Gail going on and they want to run away, but they can't because the place is crawling with peacekeepers because it's time for the reaping.
0: Yeah, there was only one thing that I I, I was a bit like, what? I don't understand that. And it takes a while for the film to actually catch up with itself and go, well, that's why. Which is when Gail goes, she says, how many times is your name yeah. in it now? And he's like forty-two, which is the same number of kids in Battle Royale. Weird. Um, <laughs> she, she, she's seen that. <laughs> Why does he say forty-two? So you find out later uh, when she's talking to her little sister, and she goes, she goes, "Do not um, take any free grain from uh, the capital people or anything like that to, uh, on the prom- on the because if you do, they put your name in again. So you can get free oil and free grain and uh, yeah. supplies, but in doing so you then have your name put in the hat more than once to be picked. So it increases oh, your I odds see. of being picked. Oh,
2: I see. So you got more than, oh, I see. Because I was like, he's not 42 years old. No, so. no, no. Oh, I see. So it makes
1: the odds less in your favour. Oh, mm. I see,
2: I see, I see. So this scene with the kids getting ready for the reaping, that's really dark and really fun. Like all dressed up in their best clothes mm-hmm. and all the parents are encouraging it, but they, they don't want to do it. But like Katniss's mum's like, I've put out a nice dress for you. Mm. Like we're going to dress up and look fancy. And I thought that was quite chilling.
0: Mm,
1: it's so Orwellian as well when they get out there like you know it's not subtle the big brother comparisons well that's because
2: they've got all their all their clothing it's homespun and it's drab and then you've got Effie played by Elizabeth Banks who turns up in this like jolt of colour so it's made really clear like the class system straight away so Primrose's name is picked so she was right to be scared and Katniss volunteers in her place. And I remember the trailer for this. And I was like, that's a really, po- not knowing the books, that's a really powerful moment. But then later on watching the film, I was like, I can't believe that it's never happened before because as no sibling ever said, I'll I'll do it for you. Like they seem very surprised that she's offered herself up, but I can't believe that an older sibling would never have done it. Well,
1: I, give- I love my
0: brother. I'm sorry, mate. Good luck. <laughs> I'll cheer you on from the sidelines, <laughs> Pete.
2: Yeah, I'll send you a thing, send you some <laughs> <Yeah>. cream.
0: <laughs> I think it is, I mean, obviously it might have happened before in 74 years, but it is, as well as getting free stuff and putting your name in again, there is also, every year you get another, your name is put in more than once. So the chances of someone younger being picked, a younger oh, sibling being I picked, see. are less than an older sibling being picked.
2: I see. I didn't know that. Okay. okay. Um. So... Uh, Katniss bollocks her mum for being a weakling and then
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just the wording she used it's like do not tune out yeah don't tune out like when dad died <laughs> when dad died <laughs> <You> idiot yes
2: <laughs> um, and then with Peter more on him later she's off to the capital so we meet hey Mitch, who is an ex-victor of The Hunger Games, played by Woody Harrelson. He likes a drink, doesn't he? He loves a drink. He loves a drink. I okay. kept
0: calling. I couldn't. I must have written his name, name down so many times to make sure I wrote it correct. So I just kept calling him Hamwich. Like, <laughs> I suddenly realised it's a brilliant abbreviation if you ever want a ham sandwich. Um, yeah. I, Having read the book before they cast
1: this movie, every time they announced a bit of casting, I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I feel like every character... They put, even when they said Lenny Kravitz, I was like, oh, that's weird. But, oh, yeah, I like it. Really? I like it. And it's funny. Gary Ross said that he offered the role to Woody Harrelson. Uh, Woody declined. And for us, I called him up and said, look, I actually don't have a second
0: choice, please. Oh. And he said, oh, all right, then. That was how we got him. him. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> it's interesting because talk of John C. Riley at one point might have done it, which I have no problem with as well. I mean, I, I, I do prefer Harrelson in the role Then yeah. I would have preferred yeah. John C. Riley, But he'd have still he'd have carried that sort of very good, yeah. weathered kind of like uh, over the hill. Up, yeah. yeah, I
1: think what he wanted in Woody was the anger which I think Woody Harrelson, because that is bubbling under the surface with that man in real life. And so I mm-hmm. think it really, it really works for that, for that part. But he did say that him and Elizabeth Banks have a tendency to go way over the top. And so he said Gary Ross's job was basically to kind of rein us in.
2: Okay. So speaking yes. of anger, what did you think, Alex, of that bit where he puts his He's bare foot? fucking...
0: <laughs> and it's, his nail doesn't look good. It doesn't. Like It looks like his nails are a bit grotty. and <laughs> So I once interviewed what was Oh, I think I've told this story before but remember the cop movie that he did uh, where he was a really fucked up police officer yes, Ramparts Rampart what yeah you not? couldn't remember the name of it last time you told the story Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I interviewed him for that and he got his he took did his put it on your he took his shoes and socks off and I, I said to him cuz I am a little bit hungover <laughs> I said I absolutely what are you doing and he was like I'm just relaxing in the interview and I'm like I can't deal with feet man <laughs> so and he's like, "Well, I'm not putting them back on. So what happens now?" And I was
2: like, <laughs> "I don't know." I was
0: like, "All right, fine. I guess we'll just make it work." And then he put it on my fucking neck. Good. You could end up being like that taxi driver
1: that time. What happened with that? He got in a he got in a he got in a fight with a taxi driver. Hmm. He got an argument with him. The taxi driver locked the doors, started driving around London, and he got arrested. And then he turned that into a movie. Remember, he did live in yeah, London. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. movie that was based on his experience of the fight he had with the taxi driver. Okay. Don't mess with Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I wouldn't.
2: So he explains to Katniss That's that people need awful. to like you as well as you surviving. So she gets a makeover from Sinner, played by Lenny Kravitz. Now, and this section makes perfect sense to an audience as old as us, but also younger who have grown up on Big Brother, Survivor, I'm a Celebrity, because people liking you is everything. Especially in I'm a Celebrity, it's not enough to just do the stuff. Mm. Like you, everyone has to like you, and so it will often be. Especially and I'm a Celebrity, not so much Survivor, but the person who's not necessarily the most athletic or the strongest will win mm. because it's a popularity
0: contest. Absolutely. And I don't mind that. I think that works. Yeah. My only problem is the amount of time that is committed to sponsors. 100
1: I've literally written that down as a sentence. Like, why are we spending so much time with sponsorship? Yeah. Mm. Once we've got the concept...
0: Let's get let's get in the game. It's ju- it's just repeated. It's like fire the arrow through the apple. That'll please the sponsors. Mm. Have flames on your dress. That'll please the sponsors. Agreed. Laugh and joke and be charming. That'll please the which, sponsors. Which is all fine in the book. That's fine. It's a novel. But in a film, we've got to get to the games. It never really manifests as anything anyway. Yes. Like yeah. the, the idea of the
1: sponsors, there's no big yeah. payoff. Because, because the, the, the most important bit of sponsorship, we see Woody in 30 seconds go and get right. that sponsorship late during the games. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're right.
2: So the, the training <coughs> montage and then there's a start of information that for me it would be a cop out if this was adults doing it but because it's kids I think it comes as a relief although if you want because you've just seen Battle Royale you're like why did you feel the need to cop out a little bit but the fact that Someone explains most of the kids will die of natural causes. And so it's terrible, but it does give you a bit of relief that not all the kids are going to kill each other. Like, it's very clear that some of them will just perish. And given where they're from, you as the audience, like, well, that you know, you're trying to make it make sense to yourself and not feel horrified. It's like, that might have happened to you anyway. So that feels sort of like a bit soothing to me, rather than all these scared kids killing each other. And then also... The what, kid- are
0: what are you you do- if I'm watching this movie, I want to see kids killing each other. That it's, is what I've signed up for. It's
2: just so hard because of the parents thing. Like in Battle Royale, the parents are dealt with super quick, so you don't get to see the anguish of a parent offering up their child in a blood sacrifice. With this, but, you do see how sad the parents are, even though they're willing... Not willing, but do they... You, you
0: know, I don't think you really see how sad the parents are. Like, Katniss has it, shouts at her mum. Yeah, but... <laughs> and then you do see a bit with Rue later. I'm guessing... I'm, so I'm, dad, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, assuming... Yeah, I think But so. think
2: of the reaping. The, the parents, that's what's clever about it. The parents are, well, we'll have to take you to the reaping because that's how we do it and mm. those are the rules. But it's not like, it, it's the people from the capital, like, it's a carnival, it's a celebration, this is fun, this is the best thing you'll ever do. No one is smiling, no one's cheery, no one's happy about it.
0: Weirdly, I think they miss a trick with that. I think as, as the tributes die, I think you should see more reactions from the parents because too, yeah. I think you get a massive emotional hit at that point because... Yeah. I think actually the way it's done where they just sort of die within the game, you're sort of like, meh. I mean, I didn't really know that girl or that gu- guy. I didn't know who that kid was. But if you sort of then see the people who did know them reacting, it would be Would amazing. it not screw
1: things up, though, if every time Katniss kills someone, we then see the family upset? Will that not ruin
0: things for our hero? I thought you
2: meant the other way around. You When you see the kids die, you see the parents of the other kids who are cheering because it's more likely that their child is going to come home.
0: Yeah, well, that would work and as that's well. That's super dark. That would be really sick.
2: Yeah, There we are. Mm. Okay, that's cool. Save that for the change. But yeah,
0: I didn't think about... I forgot the fact that Katniss puts an arrow through a couple of people. Yeah, yeah.
2: it takes her a while, but she gets there eventually. And some of the kids, particularly... Well, the kids from Districts 1 and 2, they've been bred for this. So now you've got a baddie that is a kid, but it displaces just those feelings of horror that when you first think of it, you think there's going to be 24 terrified, ill-prepared, weak children forced to murder each other and you've got these badasses. It
1: gives us villains, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. And you yeah. need
2: the, I think you need that to, in order to get through it. Well,
1: especially as Kato ultimately has a bit of an arc
0: at the end as well where we see stuff from his point of view. Yeah. Well, I'll wait, because I know how you feel about jumping ahead, but I have a lot of questions about that. Sure.
2: So, uh, to impress, I think it's the sponsors, but it's also Seneca Crane played by Wes
0: Bentley. Oh my God, that beard. I'm growing it now.
2: It is really good.
0: <laughs> is it? <laughs> It, but,
2: I don't think you can go around town in it. But, right. But, I,
0: I mean, thought you'd be appalled if I turned up with that beard with spirals going... Face art? Yeah. yeah. I'd like it I don't think you would
2: so Katniss shoots an apple out of a pig's mouth because she's awesome with her ball and then she's being all badass but then in a moment to me where real life meets the Hunger Games you know she's like yeah fuck you Wes Bentley and then she storms off but she forgets to put the ball no back shit, no. isn't that cute mm-hmm. like when she tripped up the stairs to get her Oscar she's cute you've just got to like her <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I love her for that everybody mm-hmm. loves her for that
0: yep two scripted moments there
2: <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> don't <laughs> say that <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bullshit. Oh, she's
2: just no,
0: so She's, just like, she's just so clumsy. She's a normal, but she's just like us. Didn't we get the sequel a, a year later where she fell over on the carpet? It's like, new writers, darling.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> How big is that writer's room?
1: <laughs>
2: If it ain't broke. Um, So Peter confesses a crush for her, sort of to bring the audience or the the spectators and the sponsors onto his his side. And then she finds out about it and she just slams him against the wall, which I thought
0: was brilliant. So is he being false here? That's what you think.
2: I think it's drip fed in a smart way that it looks false, but it's not. Yes,
1: exactly. That is the point. He's, He's mad in love with her. He has been his whole life. And... But they present it in a way that it seems like it
0: could be a lie. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. And what's her situation with this then? Well, I think we'll get there. Good. We'll okay. Get there. Good, yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah. good, good, good. As long as we get, as and long we'll well, as a good, good conversation. It is, it is. Because this is what the whole second half of this is sure. for me.
2: Yeah. So the game starts and she legs it. Half the kids are slaughtered. So we're down to a more manageable 12, which is one of my uh, things about Battle Royale that I didn't say, but I just felt fatigued by the numbers. Like I didn't get the thrill every time the numbers counted down it well, too many kids
0: you're always about collapsing characters and a lot of characters sure. collapse very early on <laughs> in yes <Yeah. this.
1: laughs>
2: very
0: good but i
1: love the way they pull out the score uh when that when that bloodbath happens it's yeah it's, that's true it's very uh affecting and i just felt like i couldn't breathe for about 30 seconds watching it all yeah. all the carnage the because I'm you bald.
2: don't know you've got no idea what she's going to see when she goes up the tube thing did you recognize who clove is clove the Bad girl from District One or District Two? Mew. No. She's Esther from uh, the orphan. Uh, you know the evil.
0: Oh, okay. No spoilers.
2: Oh, sorry, <laughs> the, the baddie in that.
0: <laughs> Do you recognise who? Uh, what's his name? Marvel is who throws the spear into Room. No, oh, that's uh, that's Quaid, isn't it? Jack Quaid, Meg Ryan, and Dennis Quaid's no, son from the boys. Really? Yeah, I was spent. I'd spent probably too long going I'm not going to look it up but yeah. then eventually I got it I think the thing with all these deaths so early on it's good that it gets it out of the way it is disappointing to have it highlighted very early on it's like so You we get to see nothing true okay fine so it gets it out of the way what do you in mean
1: one... in terms of the violence being PG-13 yes yeah yeah, which obviously they had no choice, but it just makes yeah. for it makes for a different experience, doesn't it, to Battle Royale where...
2: Yeah, well, we'll, um, we'll pick up a scene that undercuts what you've just said after a short break.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. plushcare.com slash weight loss this week there's been loads going on across stack over on the luke and pete show i'm telling luke about why my hairstyle has been bothering children and she says, why have you got your hair like that? Yeah. Why have you got your uh, hair in a ponytail? We've been told that we're not to talk to men about have ponytails. <laughs> parents. Yeah, but that wasn't the parents. They didn't say that. Right. She'd just been told at school or something. Never to trust a man with a ponytail. <laughs> Meanwhile, the book club is back with a cracker on Football Ramble Presents. Kate and Jim were joined by Simon Cooper to talk about his new book, delving into the heart of Barcelona Football Club and what its legends were really
0: like. Johan Cruyff, in in my humble opinion, he's the kind of Freud or Marx or Einstein of football. He invented modern football, but he was also a lunatic. Cruyff was a guy who walks into a room and says, you're doing it all wrong, You you should do what I say.
1: Listen to the Luke and Pete Show and Football Ramble Presents every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify
0: or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So what about the scene with the wasps though? So Again, yeah. here we are with wasps. I
1: mean, I call
0: them tracker jackers.
2: <laughs> My favorite bit, this is bad writing. Why does that
0: sound like a, it's because of tracker? That's what I was gonna say. It's a chocolate bar. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, there's a bit where Toby, you know, Toby Jones is one of the commentators mm. as well. And they're talking about the cracker jacker, tracker, tracker wasps tracker wasps. And they're like, ooh, those wasps are bad," and he says, "Those wasps are very
0: lethal. Hmm. You,
2: something can't be very lethal; no. it's lethal or it isn't. Like, it's, it can't
0: kill you to death." I wonder if there was more Toby Jones. He—it's yeah. very strange because I mean, obviously, uh, Stanley Tucci is having a fricking ball as Caesar. But you, uh, you just well, they're, they're, you're just surprised that Toby Jones is there and like must Well, he's just have... there
1: to do the sports commentary, isn't he? And I reckon they I reckon they probably recorded a lot of funny commentary over mm-hmm. everything and just decided they didn't actually need that much of yeah. it. You know, they're there to explain stuff, uh, as you say. Stanley Tucci gets gets more of it. I I think he does an incredible job because because it's Stanley Tucci, his character's likable, yes, and yet he's absolutely lacking in compassion mm-hmm. and emotion. But yeah. I, I I think I think that was a brilliant piece of casting because that's a tricky character.
2: He plays a good. I thought of you, Alex, because he when he's preparing to do the first, like I think it's the first set of interviews. Always, I can't remember which bit it is, but he's like the crowd are there and we haven't seen the crowd for the first time, and he spins around and he does his like TV presenting thing, mm. and you come with him on that journey. Like this sounds brilliant. Like I would watch the hell out of this.
0: Yeah, he's, he's like a psychotic um, Graham Norton. Graham Norton. Yeah. yeah, I was once hosting the live coverage of the Oscars, and admittedly. I'd done my hair in a very strange way. It went sort of up at the front before it went back, and I was a bouffant, wearing perhaps. little bouffanty. And I was wearing this double-breasted suit. And more than one tweet came in, and <laughs> I wish I hadn't had my phone on me. But it was like, oh my God, Caesar's hosting oh, the Oscars <laughs> this year. But and, and yet, weirdly, I was like, great, I'll take that. It's that worse people <laughs> look like than Stanley Tucci. Mm? Yeah, The man is adorable. Yeah you yeah, have only ever had one not so good interview with him and it, it broke my heart oh. you know when you're like you've always been good what happened but i was like we were in hong kong for transformers <laughs> age of extinction and right. I, I think he was, his heart wasn't in it he innit? was tired, yeah. His he heart was tired wasn't, and,
1: yeah
2: did you know he's got a cookbook yeah
1: i didn't yeah, it. and he's got a tv show About cooking? Yeah, travelling around Italy.
2: Oh, lovely. perfect. Oh, I would love to watch that. Brilliant. (laughs) So anyway, bees, wasps. um, Glimmer gets killed. She gets stung to death and that is very scary. Like, her face is messed up.
0: That's pretty violent. So, weirdly, um, I, when I used to do things, I was in Malaysia in the rainforest and this scene scares the life out of me because our, we, were, we had to cut down you had these hammocks, but you needed a, a length of wood to go in either end to turn it into a bed to string between two trees. Sure. And I went to cut. They were like, go cut down. I think they were called bashes. Like, go cut down these things. And I just went like that against a branch with this machete, it was attached to a hornet's nest. Oh, yeah. And I saw a wall of hornets at me and I just ran as fast as I could. And I was stung about 20 times oh, down oh, my wow. arm. It was the most painful thing and scared oh. the life out of me. This so, is the
2: second time you've told a story where you should have... This is like Final Destination. You should be dead. <laughs> like the, the thing about when you went camping in the sea, effectively... <laughs> I, that's really oh, yeah. shaking me you should have died it's but like, also
1: why are you frightened of bloody sharks when you should be frightened of wasps yeah they
0: came at you but it's the the problem i have watching the scene is like the vibrations of her like, but that's why I remembered it because, like, you you hit a branch that is attached to a wasp's nest, and they react to you. She, I mean, I know she gets stung a couple of times, yeah. But they'd be on her as she a swarm. So. They wouldn't go for mm. Glimmer on the floor. And that angle that she's using with a sort of serrated dagger to saw through a lump of wood that size. But
2: how good is she when she gets stung? Because they've said the pain is excruciating. You will hallucinate, and it might be very lethal. So you might die. Mm. And when she gets stung, but she can't make a noise. Like she's so good. <laughs> yeah,
0: but there's a couple of there's one too many moments where she's like, whoa. Yeah. Well, What's I don't happened? think you can concuss her straight after you've drugged her. Thank you. It's t- it's That's what I mean. True.
2: That's it,
1: true. Only because it happens five minutes apart and so I've just seen that.
2: That's true.
0: But... I don't like How the How did bit. you
2: get away from the hornets? I'm fascinated. You get
0: far enough away because they're, they're protecting just they're protecting their hive. Uh so you can run nest. faster
2: than a bee? That's what it yes. No,
0: I clearly couldn't. Uh, at least not 20 of not them. 20. <laughs> the the um, the unfit ones gave up, but the, the 20 fittest <laughs> hornets managed to get to me before I got to the river and then I was in the river. And did and,
2: you jump in water I and, and that the water, worked? Yeah. yeah.
0: And I got away. What did I read
2: about? There is there is something that jumping in water doesn't work. You think it does, but it doesn't. And it's either killer bees or ants or something terrible. Sharks.
0: Sharks. 100,000%. Yeah. <laughs> it was sharks. Sharks, crocodiles, crocodiles <laughs>
2: hippos, uh,
0: piranhas.
2: <laughs> anyway, the point being with Glimmer dead. Katniss can get a proper bow, which means we're on now for a bit more of seeing what she can do. Limma's death is effective. I like, would have loved it. You know when she takes the bow face. out of her hands, if she'd done the final, like, if she's not really dead <laughs> and she'd gone,
0: you sneaky bitch, yeah.
2: and then just died.
0: Yeah, I don't know why... I don't think it's necessary because we've just heard Stanley Tucci go, hey, by the way, uh, they call hallucinations. So why, when she's running through the jungle, does she hallucinate him coming out and saying the same thing? Because she hasn't even heard him say that the first time round. That's true. It's just quite an odd decision. Mm. It's as odd as Katana. There's another connection for you. Mm. Um, People who appear inside Mm. the game who you don't understand how they got there.
2: Yeah. Mm. And she has a flashback which explains her... Uh, dead dad and I thought it looked cool when the house blows up but it didn't really add to anything for me for her for her character I understood Mm. her dad was dead I didn't really need to see how
0: it it happened but it reminded me because I've been like so it's a mining community because I was like at the start when they're like we normally dress the people from District 12 in sort of something that celebrates the mining that you do there but obviously coal that they mine there makes makes fire fire. so I I got that this time that's
2: why it's so cool because he's saying we're going to show what you can do rather than what you are
0: Mm. which is awesome yeah
2: Um, And then let's talk about Rue. So, I mean, I get it and I get why it's a catalyst for the revolution that she's then a huge part of in the later properties. Mm. Rue herself, super cute. I understand why Katniss wouldn't kill her. I understand why they bond. Um, But, it's a really big moment for Katniss when Rue dies and she surrounds her with flowers and the respect with which she treats her body causes like an uprising in Rue's district. But for the emotional punch of it, I didn't really feel like she'd lost a proper friend. No, it's
1: it underserved in the film in a way it isn't in the book. Okay. So there's a lot more of the connection between Rue and Katniss in the book. And so, yeah, that, that death hit me so much harder when I was reading the book. And yeah. so, yeah, get rid of some of the sponsorship stuff. And, and, and this, is the, this is the emotional core of the
0: movie.
2: Yeah. And then.
0: I, I, not read the book, but disagree strongly. I was. Uh, I was. I was. That was the bit. It's the only time in both these movies that I actually shed a physical tear when Rue dies.
2: No, because it. I mean, I'm being really cold, but because she's so. Because Katniss is so protective of Primrose, and now she's had to repeat the trick, I was just annoyed for her. Like, it's to, to the point where Rue's like, sing me a song. It's like, fuck's sake. Like, you just. <laughs> you can't get a break. Like, from these kids annoying you. I don't know if it would. It wouldn't work, but. Maybe if Rue was her opportunity to be maternal and caring, which she'd never had before, but then she would never have volunteered, so that doesn't work. It just felt repetitive of the same beat. But maybe, like Chris says, if it had been better elaborated on, it would have affected me a bit more. I like the uprising. I like Rue's dad being like, fuck this shit and kicking over grain mm. or whatever they do.
0: Directed by Steven Soderbergh. <clears throat> was it? Yeah, he was the second unit director on this. All that riot stuff in District 11, he directed.
2: Really? Huh. Mm. Oh that wait well, looks
0: can't great. you tell
2: yeah now you said it it's on a handheld camera um, <laughs> so they changed the rules now you can have two winners she decides she's going to go and find peter he is dressed up like a rock and looks ridiculous i mean where's he found the time it's... the materials the time Does he lie in one place the whole time? Does he move around? The
0: funniest thing. Yeah, she's
2: like, (laughs) what?
0: It's just, there's no way back for his character for the rest of this franchise from that moment where you've gone, (laughs) you were disguised as a bit of slate. (laughs) I did have to
1: laugh as well because in the behind the scenes where he's having to be still there, there's loads of snakes around. Oh, really? And I don't don't know how he managed it. It's the best bit of acting in the movie that he stayed still for however many seconds he needed to.
2: Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it, it,
1: I thought it was really silly.
2: I like the reversal of she's the protector and he needs protecting. And I still, and I like the fact that they'll still have a connection, even though traditional male, female gender narratives have been flip reversed.
0: Um, the one thing you have to say is he's—he looks a lot like a rock. Like it's—it's it's a very good disguise. Yes, it is. But she then takes him out of him and puts him in a cave.
2: But also the cake decorating thing. I was like, I thought you were—you lot are supposed to be poor. Like you, I understand you run a bakery mm. and you provide the—you know—nourishment for the community. Who can afford a cake that's decorated?
0: It's a very strange moment where at the start, um, Liam Hemsworth pulls out a tiny little bread roll and she's like, yeah. "What?" And then later on we see. Um, Peter throwing like bread that's a little bit burnt at one side to the pigs. Yeah,
2: yes, and, and and yeah, it does. That's a there's a bit of a gap in the logic there. But anyway, they get off with each other in a cave, um, and he just fancies her so much. Uh, he just does, but her not so much, which I can think you can tell in that scene.
0: Well, Liam Hemsworth's waiting,
2: but she's back. in love with Jesus, Gail. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously. So there's yeah, no choice there. So
0: she is faking it at this point. Yes. Because Hamid Hamwidge. I keep calling it <laughs> Hamwidge. <laughs> Hamwidge tells her to. He basically goes, you call that a kiss. Mm-hmm. And so she the justification, like, just so you don't end up going, it's that's an awful thing to do because he genuinely loves you and you haven't said, look, I'm gonna do this. So we both live. You can't
2: say that because everyone will know then.
0: Because everyone's watching. Yeah. But she is doing it so they both live. Yes. Which is how you morally accept that this is a kind of like playing with his emotions. Yeah. F- for them to both survive. Because I don't think he's aware of that. I don't think he's not going- at that
1: point, I don't think he is. No. no. So it it's both- kind of cruel. We're watching them both learning to play the game.
2: Yeah. Because he doesn't get it because they kiss and he's very happy and she's like, I've got to go to this feast. And he's like, no, don't go, stay. And she's like, I'm obviously not going to stay because I don't want to have this big cuddle in the cave. I want to go and get this stuff that we need. And he can't quite understand why mm. she would do that. And then when she's finally assents and says, oh, go on then, I will stay with you, you know that she's going to sneak off. Like she's doing the classic like walk of shame. like She's left in the middle of the night kind of <coughs> thing.
0: Excuse me. But I think it's really, I, I think they missed a the trick here because I think... Because Peter is putting on, uh, you know, he does like her and he's putting on this big act like, no, don't go. But he is also probably aware that he's not in a good place. He's dying, yeah. yeah, And I think when she sneaks off and it the camera pans back down to his face, his eyes should be open. He should know that she's leaving and be so in need of medicine and so like, I actually do need her to save me, that he doesn't in that moment try to stop her. Yeah. It's a shame he's still asleep.
2: yeah. So we're sort of into like the getting towards the finale. So Clove slash Esther from The Orphan is dead and then Foxface dies. And so we have this finale with Kato and some big dogs. And the big dogs thing. Oh, they are dogs, aren't
0: they? Or just beasts? Sort of bear dogs. They look like a bit like, I'm surprised. I know they do. Terror dogs. They look like Zool. They look exactly like Zool. They look like terror dogs. Uh, So my problem with this is set them up earlier. Like all you need is Hamwidge. (laughs) to go to basically say to Katniss look I know Wes Bentley has something big and horrible planned for the finale of this particular game but I don't know what it is but just be very wary because it feels just a little bit half assed when he sort of goes, he's sort of looking at it in the hologram form and goes, yeah, Dogs. yeah, that's it. All right, send well, him in. It's
2: just because it becomes, it's like you said about Battle Royale. Even though that's patchy on, these are the rules because then Katana breaks the rules. And even though the danger zones will kill you, which is a little bit unfair because that's not in the natural world and not in the, the natural game. It's super unfair that Wes Bentley's like, we can just do anything we want. Like when he sets the forest on fire because she's hiding in the trees.
0: When she gets injured in that moment, I'm like, you need to... What this doesn't do, a bit like what I said for Battle Royale, is you need to see the Capitals people. like Because this revolution is going on in the background. You see all these machinations behind the scenes where um, uh, Woody Harrelson is going to West Bentley, hey, look, don't kill her, because what about Starcross Lovers? How's that for a theme? Then he goes to see Donald Sutherland. Is like, hey, I was thinking, what do you think of an underdog? Donald Sutherland goes, I don't like him. And you're like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. So the idea is you turn them into star-crossed lovers and that subdues the narrative of revolution in the districts because people become invested in their love story yes. as opposed to Katniss being this revolutionary.
2: Yes, and the added thrill that if they stick to the rules of the game, one of them will kill the other even though they are in love.
1: He's also, he's also for Snow, Snow's so smart, he's figured out straight away how dangerous Katniss is. I think Donald Sutherland said that he, he realises she's more dangerous than Joan of Arc. And so he needs, he can't have her become that underdog and mm. that hero. That's his,
0: that's his greatest fear. Right. And so by creating this love story, he's removing that.
2: I guess, yeah. Um, I just I did find it a bit the Donald Sutherland Wes Bentley interactions I didn't really get like are you in tr- like basically is Wes Bentley a baddie or a goodie? because he's a baddie because he's the Games Master but then he's trying to save her so he's good and then Donald Sutherland's the baddie mm. how are you supposed to feel for him with the berries There's
0: an interesting There's an interesting thing uh, that basically Donald Sutherland re- represents the older generation in the capital who still remember that these Hunger Games are a way of keeping the districts in line and it's a political tool of fear whereas Wes Bentley represents this new younger generation in the capital who basically like no it's just entertainment Mm. so he Mm. doesn't get it and it's Donald Sutherland who has to keep going you don't fucking get it he's the youngest
1: gamekeeper they've had and he's supposed to bring this new cool hip sort of entertainment to aspect to it but obviously it goes very badly wrong as far as Snow's concerned because he feels like yeah he's losing control of this Um, the 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 wolf dogs are much weirder in the books. Do they have a name in the books? Have they got Uh, mutations? Mutations? Mutations. And they are infused with the DNA of the dead tributes, and so (gasps) their dog faces look like the the children that they've killed earlier in the earlier in the game. (laughs) Yeah, but it
0: would have looked ridiculous in a film, I think. Do you? I mean, you wouldn't just put their. fricking head on a dog's <laughs> body. But if you saw the sort of saw the tribute fighting underneath the dog, sort of like it's, it's face. So imagine of. imagine Simon's face, but with
1: your features hot. <laughs> <laughs> you you'd, probably, you'd probably laugh as well.
2: <laughs> so you said before you, you, so we've got, you know, the big dogs and then Cato has got hold of Peter and he's going to try to throw him to the dogs and he's got a big speech and he gets a bit of a moment where he's. He seems sorry for the life he was forced to lead. It's mm.
1: the, he says it's the only thing I know how to do. Yeah. Um uh, that he you know it's, and it's the only thing that will bring pride to his district. So you you know I think you feel like
0: this this is someone who's been completely brainwashed. It's the bit where he goes I'm dead anyway. Mm. I always was, right? What does that mean? That's my question. Yeah. <laughs> but because he's been breeded to, to 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 be in the Hunger Games. He's been bred to win the Hunger Games, not to be in it. I think that's because he's realised that this game is now being constructed to have Katniss and Peter be the last two standing. Mm. Okay. And he's aware of that and he, he can tell that the narrative, once he's heard we're letting two people win, it's like there are some machinations going on outside of this game which has now pitched me as opposed to being the hero as the villain and mm. so that's why he's sort of accepting that he was not meant to win anymore Okay
2: um, I didn't feel sorry for him I just I thought I, we didn't he was just a baddie and I like I do prefer a villain to a hero apart from if it's Jennifer Lawrence and I just didn't feel that sorry he's just been so bad that I didn't care that he was bred for it kind of thing It's nice that she kills him though. Yeah it's great um, So then the rules change again which I found irritating so there can only be one winner, it turns out, which is annoying. So they decide to Romeo and Juliet the fuck out of it. Um, and and then everyone bottles it because it looks like they're going to die by suicide. But
0: bottles it in the best possible way. If you've ever seen live TV fucking up, that is, <laughs> I mean, I, I've lived through moments like that. That was it's perfect where they're about to be very good. They go, hang on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, no, no, that's... Actually, we're, we're it's it's just it's two people can live. It's two people can live. <laughs> That's quite funny.
2: So, do you think that one of my favorite scenes? Not the best scene, but when Wes Bentley is invited to kill himself with, by eating the same berries. So is that his judgment? He he fucked it up. Yeah. He should have he should have let the, the, like what should he have done differently? I, what,
1: is... he, what he should have done differently is not give them an opportunity to have a way out and therefore embarrass the capital. Oh, I see. Yeah, by by having he should have he should have stepped in before Katniss thought thought ahead oh I of him. see
2: it's a I think it's a really good moment where he walks into the room and he's full of swagger and then the classic the, the door is closed behind you so now you understand that there are people outside of the door and the berries just look really inviting and really innocent mm. but there's nothing else in the room and it's so ornate the dish that they're in is brilliant and
1: I think the film does that a lot cuts away when you don't need to see the next thing or hear him say anything True. because you know it, it I think it respects the audience's intelligence this film
2: yes that's a really good point actually because you don't need to see him put his hand in the berries or shout what's going on yeah. like, it, it makes sense so they do win um peter loves katniss she's not so sure she gets dressed up like a pretty princess um and is warned that she's made enemies they go home she sees gail in the crowd who seems to be chill about the fact that she appears to be in a new or our relationship um and then peter sort of spots that and grabs her hand so it looks like they're together mm. um will there be a sequel Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like, I, you know, this love triangle does, you know, become more serious as the stories progress. I, I felt more in the book that she was falling for Peter at this point, whereas in the film I really don't get that sense at this point. No. I still don't think she's into him. No. Um, which is interesting, or that might be her acting, or that might mean me. Obviously, we've, we both felt that, but I, I definitely got a more sense that she was falling for Peter in the book at this point. Mm. Although it's a while since I've read it, so.
2: And that's it. Yeah. Any more? No. Okay, let's do the bits then, shall we? Oh no, have you got something? Got no, 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 no. I just, I like
1: that final scene of Snow walking away. It's a weird, it's a weird place to end the movie. And apparently, that scene came earlier in the movie where he's watching Katniss and he's pissed off and he storms out. Right. But I just think it's a lovely way of setting up that sequel where he just,
0: you just go, oh shit. Yeah. Which, again, as I said at the start, it sets up so many great things that it doesn't actually deliver, at least cinematically. I'm sure the books are better.
2: Uh, so, Chris, what was your best scene? I'm going to say the berries.
0: Uh, But not the Seneca one,
1: the the, uh, the bit when Katniss um, does the Romeo and Juliet, because I just like, this is the moment where she's figured out how to play the system. We see how dangerous she is to the Capitol, which is something that Snow has already realised. It sort of gives me a chill when she does it, and then they have to say stop. So,
0: yeah, I like that ending. Uh, (laughs) Well, you're going to hate me. Why? Rue's death. Really? I really thought. I don't hate oh, you I wouldn't for hate it. you, no, right, really, Oh yeah, oh yeah. Backtracking sad. now, yeah. No, right. I don't hate you for that. I <laughs> admire you for that. Okay, but I really it was quite effective. It's that or the I volunteer uh in the from Roses Placey.
2: Mine is actually the the meeting of the crowds and the fire dress and riding in on the chariot because it looked incredible. The scale of it is astonishing. Mm. And it's just I do like a makeover scene and I like to see what the dress was gonna do. But it's you know, then it's sort of got under, the undercurrent of the romantic thing going on when Peter grabs her hand for the first time. I just thought it was brilliant. And do you know
1: who's doing the music for that scene?
2: Lenny Kravitz. And
1: Zimmer. <laughs> Arcade Fire. No! Yeah. No! Yeah. I they wrote, love Arcade Fire! Me too. Fire. They, 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 wrote the, they wrote the theme for that.
2: That's so cool. It's clever,
1: yeah. It's smart oh, to bring them God, in on brilliant. that.
2: really brilliant. God, I love that band so much. Okay. Doesn't
0: We never spoke about that. It's not my favourite band. Yeah. we we'll have to talk about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can't come to the pub today, by the way. Just That's completely just unrelated to it. But, yeah. But we're going to okay. a special pub today, don't forget.
2: Um, well, <laughs>
0: We are going to a special. <laughs> <laughs> Plans afoot.
2: <laughs> mm. um, sorry. What's your most valuable whatever, Alex?
0: <laughs> Stanley Tucci. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I think he's great. Okay. I, I, I love him. Uh, well, it's either Stanley Tucci. I had two, but I'm trying to cut back because I'm supposed to only have one. But it's Stanley Tucci or Donald Sutherland who is just terrifying. Donald
2: Sutherland is not. I don't like him in this. Do you not? No, his character's because I don't know anything about him, so his character didn't make any
0: sense to me. I like any man who can be cutting uh, fruit uh, down and still be your life. <laughs> the, the most scary thing on screen. It's like uh, it's, it's a, I think it's quite a difficult thing to do sure. to be pruning a bush and still be that fucking <laughs> so, terrifying.
1: Let me, let me talk about this. So there's a weird... Ex- Extra on the DVD, which is a five-minute um, video of a letter Donald Sutherland reading out a letter he wrote to Gary Ross right. when he got the role. So Sutherland, when he read the script, believed it would be one of the most influential films to come out of American years. He said he didn't sleep after reading the script. He compared it to the time he he first watched Stanley Kubrick's *Paths of Glory*, and he wrote this letter explaining how important the story is about how power corrupts, um, absolute power makes you horny, is how he put it, but not snow. Snow isn't horny, his thing is flowers. <laughs> um, and so Gary Ross wrote these scenes in the flower, with the flowers for John Sutherland to sort of, he said, give him sex scenes. They're sex scenes, but they're... they're with in, flowers. With flowers. With flowers. Where it's it's this power denial elegance all these things that you might get in a sex scene, but it's him pruning a bush. <laughs> I just thought, just, and he said, "That's the sex that's missing from the story." They put it in that scene when he's talking to Seneca. Well, I did not spot that. Mm. One. No, it's all a bit.
0: It's a mad little thing. You're like, well, I was just scratching I my head. They for the had five sex minutes. in a cave. So, <laughs> Gary Donald here. This is going to be one of the most influential <laughs> movies in the history of cinema. <laughs> No pressure.
1: <laughs> uh, what's yours? Well, when you said to Tucci, does that count? Does that include his tan and teeth? Because I like them a lot. Very mm. great. His fake teeth and that fake tan. But um, so this is something I didn't really appreciate until again, uh, watching the behind the scenes. And I'm going to say the editor editors, but particularly Juliet Welfling, because there's 300 cuts in this movie, and so many of them are undiscernible to the point that I didn't notice them. So obviously you've got the shaky cam, cinema verite stuff, mm. but scenes, cut, 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 five seconds ahead all the time. And it adds this momentum to proceedings that I, I hadn't clocked with my eyes until it was pointed out to me. And then when I watched it, I can't unsee it. It's so clever and so subtle, but I think it really adds this I don't know, as I say, momentum to the film that um, I think is really clever. And her, between her and Gary Ross, I think they did a really good job visually in in, in making this film sort of move forward like a train.
2: That's awesome. Uh, mine is Jennifer Lawrence, obviously. She is phenomenal. Uh, she's, you know, she's an outsider, but she's not quite a rebel. She isn't like your classic. I've I've been called to this and I know this is in me and I'm going to start a fire and all the rest of it. She's hard, but she's not infallible. She's determined, but she looks a bit out of her depth. Like, all of those contrasting character points, she carries it off really well. So, yes, her, obviously. Uh, What would you change, Chris?
1: Well, I explained how they changed the wolves from the book to the film. I would make an additional change to that. Um, I'd get rid of them because... I think the premise of children murdering other children is strong enough that Mm. you don't need to introduce a CG wolf. And the idea is it's, you know, the gamekeeper is his way of um, getting us to the end of the story. But I just think it's an addition.
0: I just think it gets a bit silly. It looks silly. It does look silly. And it's another bloody action scene shot at night because it was compensating for probably Mm. average CGI. Well, it
1: looks average in the
0: dark. Mm. So, yeah, I would just get rid that there's enough going on with the kids. What about you? Um, uh, I think more, even more so. I know, uh, even more so than I said on Monday's episode for Battle Royale. But I think here we just need to see people watching this event more because this is a this is a a, a a national event that people in all the districts are watching and that people in the capital are watching. And I think it would help you or me because I'm the one who was like I was a bit confused about this. It would help us understand how people are reacting to Katniss and why. Snow is like, right, we need to create something else. We need to turn them into lovers. We need to stop her revolution growing because people in every district, like we see it a bit with District 11, but that more is attached to Rue's death. I think we need to see Katniss' story uh, as explained by the way people are reacting to it during the game. And I think it would give it some more depth. I don't want to be stuck in the woods all the time when there is like, you know, these billions of people watching yeah. it externally. So it's that. And it's fucking sponsors as well, mate. Oh, sponsors! If you're gonna have sponsors and you're gonna call them sponsors, I want when she gets her ointment out to heal, I want that to be like Hilo Three Thousand. Yeah, and, you know, and an you can have it come
2: off across the dome exactly. Yeah. Like a
0: sponsor to appear on screen, and like, that's what I see the sponsors as. Like yeah. you know, this is a global TV show or a national TV show. You want to see, you know, when sponsor- Pete is eating that soup, it should be like. Campbell's post-sword wound soup. It's delicious. <laughs>
2: but then who are they advertising? I suppose they're advertising to people in the capital because they've got money to buy stuff. No yeah. one else has got any money, have they? My change is, you know the flashback where that Katniss and Peter both share where he throws bread to the pigs that you Pink mentioned? Pig bread, yeah. the Pig bread. My reading of it is he has a bit of shame attached to that memory because Katniss saw him getting yelled at by his mum, Right. Do you think?
0: He has shame attached because he throws it on the ground to her as opposed to passing Yeah, and his mum
2: is really not him and he sees her and he's always loved her and so he feels embarrassed by that memory. Right. So what I would then do, which is what I really thought was going to happen, in the memory, she waits until his back is turned. She loves bread, we've established, and she scrabbles in the dirt and she grabs the bread to eat even Mm. though it's covered in pig mud, right? Yeah. And then he turns back around and he sees her and they don't talk about it so they've got dual shame attached to that memory which then adds another layer to what she does in faking their relationship, which could be read many ways, but either taking the power back from that memory because she's sort of getting revenge on him for making her feel like that, at the same time as she's just angry about being embarrassed in front of him. Or it's a bonding thing between them because they both shared something really mortifying and that does tend to bring people together, I think we may have noticed. So that's it. It's only little. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's it. We're like done. It.
0: All right then. It's time for... The verdict. Mm. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You to... want answers? I want the truth!
1: So, who wants to go first? I think you should go first, Alex. Uh,
0: OK, so actually, as I said earlier, a very tough one this week. Battle Royale, uh, worryingly, I think, had a much bigger impact on me when I was a bit younger. And now I've become a little desensitised to the horrific violence in it. But it is still a fantastic film and it got under my skin again. A little bit. Hunger Games, I liked a lot more this time. I still think because it's a YA Hollywood production, a studio movie. I think I, I, every time I watch it, I'm surprised it doesn't give me the the beats that I really want from an action movie like this. And I kind I want to respect it for that. And yet I always feel shortchanged by the, the lack of like that heart in my mouth. Is she gonna make that shot? Which I know they do with a pig apple, but, you know, pig bread, pig apples. (laughs) So I didn't cry in Battle Royale, though, and I did cry at Rue's death in Hunger (laughs) Games. Ultimately, though, I'm going for the film that I think got under my skin a little bit more. It has images I won't easily forget. uh, Largely thanks to Matsuko's character and Kiriyami. I am going for Battle Royale. Vicky.
2: So obviously Battle Royale, super clever, like all the school stuff that carries on. It's a metaphor for school. School is brutal. It's literally school because they still sort of enact school in the battle. That did wear thin for me after a while, if I'm being really honest, because there's so much stuff about crushes and unrequited love. And there's more to the teenage experience than that. And I maybe wanted to see some of that, like when you're a teenager, obviously you are obsessed with who you fancy, but you're also obsessed with like having a good time and not understanding consequences. And I I maybe could have done with a pure comedy character that's just like not killing anyone, but like, fuck it, we're we're away from authority for three days and we can do what we want and then would get killed. Like a Matthew Lillard character is kind of what mm-hmm. I wanted. It
0: would have been a good change. Yeah, um, did someone Matthew L- mention Lillard?
2: Just, <laughs> you, Vicky just did.
0: you know, I'm sold on anything to do with that. Vicky, don't you think it would have been weird if he'd shown up in Battle Royale?
2: Yeah, it would have been strange. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How did you get here?
2: Um, but the Hunger Games, like visually, very arresting. The world itself is more recognisable to me, even though it's a dystopian future. Because you, Alex, mentioned this. I think fear of the youth. Was more of a touchstone in Japan at that time, and it doesn't travel that well now because we are not scared of our youth. We're very disdainful of the youth and call them snowflakes. But we and we rip the piss out of them. but We're not scared of them.
1: We were at the time
0: happy slapping. Happy, Do you remember, Jesus, I that was about terrifying. Is that when was did that come from the Tango advert where kind he has it, the but, orange glove? Kind of, but then it got more scary. Was happy slapping again? Yeah, when someone comes up to you, and slaps you on a bus and runs off.
1: <laughs> Kino.
2: on a <her> bus. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's all right. I don't get on bus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore. It's back in the day, though. Oh, okay.
0: Day. Oh, I did sorry,
1: get
2: on bus. Uh, sorry, no. But just to conclude, uh, also, I'm just a huge fan of Jennifer Lawrence, so I'm going to pick The Hunger Games.
1: One <sighs> a piece, and it was Chris's decision to do
0: these two movies. Mm. Over to you, Chris.
1: I think they're great companion pieces. These films, I oh. do love them both. There's no losers this week. Uh, I think there's real poetry in the way Hunger Games is written and shot and cut i think it's interesting it feels like it's more interested in examining society outside of the games whereas battle royale is also interested in examining examining society but it does so inside the game which i think is a much neater trick um i also think battle royale is remarkable for being the work of someone in their 70s and it's interesting i think the fact that he wrote it with this and made it with his son is what is this perfect storm of the the dad experienced world war 2 and the hell of of the of what happened after that his son experienced that economic bubble bursting and so they were able to bridge this generational divide to create this film that is i don't know i would say it's unique but the hunger games came along it's not unique but i thought it was going to be close but i think Ultimately, Battle Royale is nastier, it's more provocative, it's uglier, it's less diluted, it's funnier, it's more entertaining, and it's better. So I'm going for Battle
0: Royale. We have a winner. Congratulations to 2000's Battle Royale, victorious this week in a game of death. The Hunger Games lies bloodied on the floor. Well done. Right then. Are we doing something less violent (laughs) next week, perhaps? Yes, we are. Okay, so what was the clue you gave on Monday? Blonde ambition. Uh, Which means, what are we doing? You,
2: Alex, are doing Working Girl. And you, Chris, are doing Legally Blonde.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is your homework for the weekend. That is your palate cleanser for next week. (laughs) Legally Blonde versus... Working Girl that's right great stuff and, and where are they uh, to be found Victoria
1: Chris <laughs> oh no I knew them uh, I think Working Girl is on Disney and Legally Blonde is on Netflix I think
2: I have no idea but they're both on.
1: Yeah, they're
0: both readily available <laughs> let me give you a little tip if we ever screw up this section on Google just type in watch and the name of the movie and it tell. Ta- on mine anyway it just goes <laughs> but it would slow this bit down
2: alright well I should have done it before Sorry. I'm not done I just me. did it
0: I just did it you guessed it you guessed it, that's very different. Anyway, it's Victoria's job. <laughs> I'm not trying to come down on your heart, but this is two weeks in a row now, Victoria. <laughs> so I'm just concerned. Let's go to the special pub. If you <laughs> haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple. Sounds like fun now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're in trouble. Let's go to the special pub. Yes,
0: please. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Clash Pub. Back on Monday, talking working girl. Have a great weekend. Bye bye. This was a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.